Now, the first couple of Texas radio. Here's Bill and Allison Mencaro. Good morning, Hill Country. Good morning. Hi, Allison. Hi, Bill. <laughs> oh, it is misty out there. I know. I wasn't we expecting should, that. We should. Yeah. If I if I'd known that, I would have. Uh, we we would have played Misty. Play play Misty for me. Play Misty for me. That's the name of the movie. Okay, I with know. Clint Eastwood has a creepy movie too. Well, we are Bill and Allison. We are sometimes wrong. But we're always right. <laughs> exactly right. Fighting a never-ending battle for truth, justice. And the American way. We are never PC. We are proudly PI. Politically incorrect. That's right. Most of all, though, we strive to be BC, biblically correct. Trigger warning, we are non-binary. Non-binary, as is everyone at the Hill Country Patriot, your information station. I'm a native Texan. Allison, you are? Native American. You're Native American in more ways than one. <laughs> and uh, we uh, are former congressional staffers in Washington, D.C. That's how we met mm-hmm. on Capitol Hill. We were both press secretaries for different congressmen. Mm-hmm. And so we have a, an interesting perspective, I think, at least interesting to me, <laughs> <laughs> and on the news. It's like somebody once said, well, that's your opinion. And the other person said, well, it's the only one I'm qualified to give. <laughs> so, but anyway. So we've got a lot on the show for the next couple hours. We're glad you can stay with us. Uh, we've got uh, stories about uh, what's going on in the uh, Texas House of Representatives, particularly about school vouchers. They mm-hmm. made a, a, mm-hmm. a decision, a vote, yesterday on school vouchers. We're going to be talking about that. Talking about some new stuff about Bud Light, the queen of beers. And just a bunch of, Allison, I know, has a bunch of stuff that she never tells me about. So, oh, here we go. The most loved, one of those loved, and one of the most hated Christmas songs. I thought we'd start off with something fun. Yeah. Because I know I don't know about Bill, but I have a couple of further dreary stories. So I, oh. I thought we'd start on a light well, note. Well, that's a light note. And exactly. Uh, exactly. Let's start out though, <clears throat> excuse me, on the best note, which is a verse from Isaiah chapter five. Woe unto them who call evil good and good evil. And boy, is that not applicable to today, is it not? Going to get a little heavy here for a few minutes. Um, somebody said, uh, I thought it was an interesting quote, first we overlook evil, then we permit evil, then we legalize evil, then we promote evil, then we celebrate evil, then we persecute those who still call it evil. Wow. And it's so true. That, that progression is so true. Uh, here's, here's one example. Hannah Hoxie, a fifth-grade teacher at Monroe Elementary School in Des Moines, Iowa, posted a picture of herself online, and I'm looking at it. Uh, 
it was, it was uh, oh, where, where did she post it? I don't know. I think it was, might be X, formerly Twitter. Uh, anyway, she posted this picture of herself online with a caption saying, now remember, she's a fifth grade teacher. Here's her caption. Every day is another opportunity to force kids in public schools to be gay. Yeah. Of course, she's paid by the taxpayers. And when people discovered it, she immediately deleted it. But, of course, it was too late. Once you put something on the Internet, it's there forever. And what, how do you think the Des Moines Allison Doran Public Schools reacted to this? Guess. Uh, I, I'm afraid, to, I'm afraid yeah. to guess. They restricted their own Twitter account, X account, because people were posting opposition to what this woman mm-hmm. had posted. Mm-hmm. They also removed her name and email address from the school directory. So they're protecting her. Mm-hmm. And as of the last time I checked, yesterday, the teacher has not been disciplined. You know, forcing kids to be gay, you know, sounds like sexual assault of a child to me. Mm-hmm. How much more evidence do we need to give to people that say this stuff isn't happening before they actually begin to believe it? I mean, if you want to know why our country's youth, or many of them are so screwed up, look at the teachers that are teaching them the subjects they're focusing on. You know, uh, Malcolm X said, only a fool would let his enemies teach his children. That's good. Yeah. That's very good. Yeah, it is. I mean, it, it is interesting that homosexuality is now seen as a choice by the people that used to get mad at other people for saying that it was genetic and not a choice. Hmm. Well, every day, I'll just wrap this up because it's kind of creepy. Every day is another opportunity to take your kids out of, out of a public school, government school, and homeschool them or send them to a good Christian or private school. Uh, you know. I mean, they've, they've come for our food, our cars, I'm talking about the left wing now, vacations, education, our homes, our stoves, our gas stoves, our air conditioners, our books, churches, water, drinks, you know, whatever. All your rights, all in the name of rights, by the way. Now they openly come for your children. There's a, there was a video of a, of a gay pride march, and it's not the only one. There's several of them where they're shouting, we're coming for your children. Now they openly come from your children. Are you going to change your vote now, by the way? Have you been voting Democrat? Are you going to change your vote? So, anyway, that's my little little rant for early in the morning on a Saturday morning with Bill and Allison. Mencaro mm-hmm. is our last name. But. Yeah, but, well, here's a story. It, this might not sound like a local story, but it involves I-10. Uh, we personally live less than a mile from I-10. On uh, Hill Country Patriot Studio, the bunker is less than a mile from I-10. I just said to Bill this this morning, we could, like, cut straight across. (laughs) Yeah. We had a plane or a helicopter. (laughs) Here in Hill Country, we use I-10 all the time. And you might not realize that it goes all the way from here and dead ends at the Pacific Ocean in Santa Monica, California. Yep. We did that Mm -hmm. at least once. This week, people at a homeless camp... so, So it's a major highway in that part of the country santa monica los angeles a lot of people commute yeah exactly exactly or on the i-10 as they call it <laughs> right. no no the, no 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 the 10 the 10 they oh, don't because okay. they don't use the, oh, they I. Drop the i the yeah, all, they all the, 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 the interstates in at least southern california they use the in uh-huh. front of the name uh-huh. the 10 yes. the whatever yes exactly yeah i remember watching x-files you, you could they were supposedly based in in the dc area washington dc area but they would refer to the 95 <laughs> <laughs> that's con- that's a continuity problem. They should have caught exactly, that. Exactly. Exactly. Any- anyway, anyway, the point is, 
This week, people at a homeless camp underneath I-10 in Los Angeles intentionally set a fire that burned up I-10. It's a major thoroughfare, as I just said, and it's been forced to close indefinitely. Indefinitely? Indefinitely. Wow. It has to be rebuilt. Wow. I mean, it was destroyed. It was well, destroyed. that goes back to what I said a moment ago. I mean, those those people in California, like all these lunatic Democrats, don't do anything about the homeless problem unless a Chinese communist leader is coming to town, mm-hmm. in which case they get them off the streets and clean up the streets. They won't do that for American citizens, for Californians, right. Right. but they'll do that for the communist Chinese leader who runs a slave state. And, and, and Bill and I were talking, I think just last night, about, about seeing pictures of Chi coming to, coming yeah. arriving in San Francisco. The president of China. Yeah, the president. Well, so-called president. Right, He's not elected, right. You know, and it looked the like dictator of China. It looked like a U.S. presidential uh, motorcade. Wow. All the all the you know armored black vehicles in it, and there were people on the sidelines waving communist Chinese flags, mm-hmm. and uh, there there were people who went around. Taking down, tearing down. Uh, I mean, people, real Americans, went around taking down these Chinese communist flags, um, and and they were harassed of course by people who didn't want them taking taken down. So they're well. When you open up borders, you get communists, you get terrorists, you get all sorts of people. I mean, all these pro-Palestinian riots where they tried to break into the White House. Uh, where they the other day broke uh, tried to break into the Democratic National Committee headquarters, uh, they wouldn't be in this country if we didn't have open borders. We, you know, you wouldn't have pro-Palestinian riots if we didn't have open borders. Just letting anybody, we don't even know who's coming in the coming in the country. We, we're going to be, uh, we've got a, uh, we've got a um, congressional um, testimony about that coming up in the show. But uh, you did mention. Uh, Interstate 10, Alice, and I mm-hmm. got a speeding ticket uh, not too long ago. And uh, when I got it, I, I asked the officer, I said, well, you know, what am I supposed to do with this? You know, I mean, am I supposed to take it somewhere? Or do? And he said, nah, keep it. He says, when you, get, when you collect four of them, you get a bicycle. <laughs> uh, well, that, that, rem- that reminds me, criminal justice in, in Mexico... Or uh, for for minor crimes, yeah, not not for big crimes, but yeah. for minor crimes, can be very easy. Um, I was <laughs> I was in Mexico. And I was driving, and I was <laughs> I made a left turn onto a one way street going the wrong way, in, right in front of a cop. Uh, no, not <laughs> a good plan. <laughs> and and what I learned then is that what you do is just bribe them. It's not bribery, Allison. <laughs> it's supplementing their income. Yeah, yeah. Those guys, actually, I, I did talk to a Mexican policeman one time about, uh, not about that, quite that subject, but he, he told me they, they only made about, I don't remember, was $100 U.S. a month or something, some horrible, horribly low. I can't imagine it would be that little. Well, okay, 500 1000 <laughs> I don't know what it is. I'm just making that up. But anyway, it's very low. Yeah. So, and so they, that's how they supplement their income. Yeah, so a violation like that, you can just bribe the cop. Stop saying bribe. <laughs> how, how, however, um, I, I learned from a friend, I just happened to mention that you know, we were rent, spending a lot of time down there and renting cars. And I guess I happened to mention to a friend that we didn't buy insurance 
as you know, like when we're renting cars in the United States, we don't get insurance because our our uh, own automobile insurance covers us wherever we're driving. Well, it doesn't cover you if you're in Mexico, probably, which, which we didn't know. Probably in not not in a lot of foreign countries, mm. um, and in um, Mexico, um, a traffic accident is a is a uh, uh, felony. And, and this is this is not even if someone is is seriously injured or killed. It's a felony, so you do not want to do that. Yeah, get insurance if you rent a car in Mexico or probably any other place outside the yeah. United States. Uh, but we just don't because well, our auto insurance covers it. Well, we found out it doesn't cover it. Yeah. in Mexico. And mm. and and she said what she said what the you know if you are in an accident, you know that the locals will see a rich gringo, and uh, well, they will go after you. Yeah. Exactly, exactly. Well, we've got a lot to cover this morning. I said uh, I'm going to tell you about what the Republican-led Texas House of Representatives did yesterday. Do we have time with that, Allison? Sure. Okay, good. Uh, Yesterday, they voted to kill ESAs. Now, what's an ESA? Education Savings Account or school sometimes known as school vouchers. Uh, That's a big blow to Governor Abbott because he's been lobbying for this, for school vouchers or ESAs for a long time, uh, pressuring lawmakers to vote for them. Uh, But there was an amendment by uh, a state representative, John Rainey of College Station, that took ESAs out of the uh, omnibus spending bill. Uh, He said, quote, I believe in my heart using taxpayer dollars to fund an entitlement program is not conservative, and it's bad policy. Uh, So that's, uh, ESAs are dead in Texas. Uh, School voucher program is dead in Texas. And I know a lot of people, a lot of good Christian people, good conservative people say, uh, well, gee, the, you know, school vouchers are good. You know, I used to be for school vouchers. I'm not mm-hmm. anymore. Why not? Well, it's funny you ask. It might sound good on the surface. It, it actually does. It always did to me. Well, it threatens individual liberty and parental rights. It shackles parents and religious schools to government funding. Mm. And the very okay. st- strings are attached. Oh, yeah. You know, supporters of ESAs, they described it well as school choice or money follows the child. But it's an intrusion of government into private education as home education. Well, first of all, ESAs are connected to the United Nations, and it's pushed Mm. to indoctrinate children with international and socialist globalist ideology. Uh, UNESCO, which is the UN's, as you know, Allison, the UN's education agency, they advocate subsidizing private schools with tax money in order to control them, Mm. impose the same leftist standards on them as as public schools. Vouchers and ESAs, government can attach, as I said, attach strings to the funding, uh, forcing parents and private schools, Christian schools, to submit to far-left indoctrination and other things. Uh, In foreign countries, for example, uh, Sweden is one, Australia, Canada. Private schools, including Christian ones, now teach leftist globalist ideology, and they're practically indistinguishable from public schools because they're shackled to government funding. So they want they want to get rid of homeschooling is, is part of it. Mm. Frankly, I think government should not be involved in education at all. I mean that was the case in the United States before the late 1800s. Uh, so that's my take on school vouchers. Okay, thank you. 
Well, you're welcome. I've got another story about what the Texas legislature did, but uh, I think you, you have a story before that, do you? Well, mine's not related to Texas, so why don't you go ahead? Okay. Well, also, last uh, this past week, the Texas legislature passed a bill making it a state crime to cross the border illegally into Texas. It is now a state crime. Uh, it also approved uh, $1.5 billion for additional border barriers. Uh, you know, we are paying billions of dollars in, t- in Texas, just Texas, to fund its, our border barrier because Joe Biden won't secure the border. So it's uh, called Senate Bill 3, uh, and uh, t- not only for border barriers, but to pay for state troopers to patrol Colony Ridge. Allison, have you heard about Colony Ridge? Mm-mm. No, I have not. Colony Ridge is a large, a huge development. Uh, I think it's north of Houston where many illegal aliens live, often they purchase homes there. Cartels run the place. We, wow. have, we have drug cartels running wow. basically a suburb of Houston wow. now. Um, and the state legislature is investigating its development. Uh, its developer is someone who donated to Governor Abbott. Um, <clears throat> so anyway, uh, that's uh, paying for state trooper to patrol Colony Ridge. Uh, this bill also makes it a, as I said, a mis- uh, misdemeanor to illegally cross the U.S.-Mexico border into Texas. It empowers Texas police officers to arrest illegal immigrants and requires a Texas judge to order the person to leave the United States uh, to avoid prosecution. If they don't leave or if they're accused of other crimes, they, they will in, that misdemeanor will be then a felony if they refuse to leave. And... Uh, that's penalties is two to twenty years in prison. Now, of course, you know Biden's DOJ is going to sue Texas over this. You know that's going to happen. Uh, that happens every time we try to control our own border. Uh, so, it. By the way, if you've heard of this bill and you've heard of the propaganda against it, that you know, oh, Grandma from Mexico is going to be deported. That's lived for fifty years. No, uh, it targets recent illegal aliens, not those who have been here more than two years. Uh, so it's, it's, it's a completely false thing. If you've heard that, that, uh, so it's only people who've been here, uh, less than two years is it's going to affect, but that's what our Texas legislature has done. The Republican led Texas legislature, despite the rhino speaker of the house, Dade Phelan, who, uh, enjoys his evenings, put it that way. What you got, Elsa? <laughs> well, uh, India's. Uh, a five-day festival of lights known as Diwali um, began last week. It features fireworks, feasts, and prayer with celebrants lighting rows of traditional clay oil lamps outside their homes to symbolize the victory of light over darkness and knowledge over ignorance. Huh. While it's major, while it's a major observance for Hindus, Diwali is celebrated across faiths, including Sikhism, Jainism, which I'd never heard of before, hmm. and Buddhism, so it's celebrated by more than a billion people, and it's uh, recently receiving more recognition in the United States. Uh, President Biden held the largest ever White House celebration of Diwali in 2022, while New York City Mayor Eric Adams announced that it will become a public school holiday. Really? Really? Crying out loud. But we don't want to celebrate Christmas in public schools. Oh, the, uh, exactly. Or Easter. Exactly. You know, we, we believe in diversity 
except when it comes to Christians. We don't we don't believe in we mm-hmm. believe in exclusionary when it comes to Christians. Uh, I read that some place in I think it's Massachusetts, which doesn't surprise me at all, uh, has ordered the uh, the the city workers were putting up Christmas decorations. Well, they stopped that. They said tear them down. We want and this is this is actually a memo from the city government. <laughs> we want uh, no red or green in the decorations use other colors and do not refer to snowmen they are to be called snow people <laughs> i am not making that up like like snowmen are, are religious yeah or they're actually men <laughs> well and well, by the way um kerrville has its christmas the city of kerrville has its christmas decorations oh up. that's right they're going to be actually this weekend is going to be a big deal in kerrville about that and other towns too in the hill country we're going to be talking about that later on the show because one of the things that one of our uh, features on the bill and allison show is uh, events so uh stay tuned for that what's coming up in uh, hill country that you'll want to know about well we've got a lot going on when we come back from uh, our break we might do our woke alert. That's our craziest thing. Although I think that was the woke alert, actually. Tearing down those... Uh, okay, well, I, I have one that's not far off from that. Okay, good. Well, that'll be your woke alert. We'll be back after this quick break. Texas, oh, Texas, your freeborn single star Sends out its radiance to nations near and far Emblem of freedom it sets our hearts aglow With thoughts of San Jacinto and glorious Alamo God bless you, Texas, and keep you brave and strong That you may grow in power and work throughout the ages long God bless you, Texas, and keep you brave and strong That you may grow in power and work throughout the ages long Welcome back. Welcome back. We're Bill and Allison, Hill Country Patriot, and first couple of TexasRadio.com. That's where you can listen to our previous shows, download them to your favorite digital device. You can subscribe to the Bill and Allison shows, or whenever a new one is posted, you will be the first to know. First couple of TexasRadio.com. And if you're interested in real estate investment, PaperSourceOnline.com is our business. Well, I have a nice little story to tell. We one, like nice little stories, Allison. One crisp winter morning in Sweden, a cute little girl named Greta woke up to, <laughs> to a perfect world. One where there were no petroleum products ruining the earth. She tossed aside her cotton sheet and wool blanket and stepped onto a dirt floor covered with willow bark that had been pulverized with rocks. What's this? she asked. Pulverized willow bark, replied her fairy godmother. What happened to the carpet? she asked. The carpet was nylon, which is made from butadine and hydrogen cyanide, both made from petroleum, came the response. Greta smiled, acknowledging that adjustments are necessary to save the planet, and moved to the sink to brush her teeth, where instead of a toothbrush, she found a willow mangled on one end to expose wood fiber bristles. 
Your old toothbrush? Noted her godmother, also nylon. Where's the water? asked Greta. Down the road in the canal. Just make sure you avoid water with cholera in it. Why is there no running water? Greta asked, becoming a little peevish. Well, said her godmother, who happened to teach engineering at MIT, where do we begin? There followed a long monologue about how sink valves need elastomer seats and how copper pipes contain copper, which has to be mined, and how it's impossible to make all-electric earth-moving equipment with no gear lubrication or tires, and how ore has to be smelted to make metal, and that's tough to do with only electricity as a source of heat, and even if you use only electricity, the wires need insulation, which is petroleum-based, and though most of Sweden's energy is produced in an environmentally friendly way because of hydro and nuclear, if you do a mass and energy balance around the whole system, you still need lots of petroleum products like lubricants and nylon and rubber for tires and asphalt for filling potholes and wax and iPhone plastic and elastic to hold your underwear up while operating a copper smelting furnace. What's for breakfast? interjected Greta, whose head was hurting. Fresh, range-fed chicken eggs, replied her godmother, raw. Raw? inquired Greta. Well, and once again, Greta was told about the need for petroleum products, like transformer oil and scores of petroleum products essential for producing metals for frying pans, and in the end was educated about how you can't have a petroleum-free world and then cook eggs, unless you rip your front fence up and start a fire and carefully cook your eggs in an orange peel, like you do in Boy Scouts. Now that, now, not that you can find oranges in Sweden anymore, but I want poached eggs like my Aunt Tilda makes, lamented Greta. Tilda died this morning, the godmother explained. Bacterial pneumonia. What? interjected Greta. No one dies of bacterial pneumonia. We have penicillin. Not anymore, explained godmother. The production of penicillin requires chemical extraction using isobutyl acetate, which, if you know your organic chemistry, is petroleum-based. Lots of people are dying, which is problematic because there's not any easy way of disposing of the bodies since backhoes need hydraulic oil and crematoriums can't really burn many bodies using as uh, fuel Swedish fences and furniture, which are rapidly disappearing, being used on the black market for roasting eggs and staying warm. This represents only a fraction of Greta's day. A day without microphones to exclaim into. <laughs> a day without much food. And a day without carbon fiber boats to sail in. But a day that will save the planet. Tune in tomorrow when Greta needs a root canal and learns how Novocaine is synthesized. <laughs> That's great, Allison. Isn't that great? Yeah, I never, of course I hadn't heard that. That is very, very cool. <laughs> and very, very true, sadly. Sadly. Uh... Well, the uh, on that subject, you know, we're being told uh, uh, we need to get rid of carbon dioxide. It's terrible. It's bad for you. Uh, it's going to kill the planet. Uh, the, uh, in fact, uh, they've been uh, they've just killed this uh, CO two pipeline. There was a CO2 pipeline that was scheduled to go through, I know, Iowa and probably other states. And uh, they were going to, I don't know much about it, but they were going to capture CO2 and 
pump it through a pipe underground pipeline and then I guess uh, store it underground in some some uh, facilities. And I mean, it's absolutely crazy. Farmers were going nuts because they're going right through the heart of America's uh, uh, farm, you know, basket. What, what am I, what am I kind of food basket? What am I trying yes. to say? I don't know. Obviously, I didn't prepare this. Okay, farmland. Uh, farmland, thank you. But uh, some of the best farmland in the world, and they wanted to tear it up to, to put this stupid carbon dioxide pipeline in. Well, they finally stopped it. I mean, they're not going to do it, and which is good. This time, of course, they'll come back for it. Uh, but uh, Allison, I found a uh, found a f- uh, this little video, short little video, that uh, this fella is a uh, owns a nursery somewhere in Canada, and we thought you'd be interested in hearing his comments on CO two. We have a contamination problem in the greenhouse. My plants are turning too much carbon dioxide into oxygen and photosynthesis stops at like 200 parts per million and all plants die at about 150 parts per million carbon dioxide. Thankfully, there's something I can get to remedy this situation. A carbon dioxide generator, aka a plant food generator. The optimum CO2 level for growing anything is well over a thousand parts per million in the atmosphere outside it's 400 parts per million in order for me to make carbon i have to use some natural gas which has a carbon tax and gst on the carbon tax of 50 percent so my plants can up to double production i don't know what i'm really trying to say with this short other than i live in clown world and most people are dumb (laughs) yeah i mean I learned in elementary school, apparently it's not taught anymore, that plants breathe in carbon dioxide and breathe out oxygen, mm-hmm. and that makes the world live. Mm-hmm. And without, without carbon dioxide, or with, as, as this gentleman said, with, if the carbon dioxide level is too low, every living thing on earth would die, not only plants, but people as well. Of course, that's what's behind the globalists' uh, agenda. They want to depopulate the world, whether it's through uh, lowering the carbon dioxide uh, levels uh, to the point where a lot of plants die, therefore a lot of people die, whether it's through vaccines that kill you. Uh, they have all sorts of plans to depopulate. And I'm, you know, you say, well, that's, that's crazy, that's tinfoil hat stuff. Yeah, well, just read their own writings. You don't believe me. Just read uh, the World Economic Forum's own journal. It talks about that. Uh, Prince Philip, Queen Elizabeth's husband, wrote in the uh, introduction to a book, and I, I have read, I didn't read the book, but I read the introduction. He said, when I die, I hope to come back as a particularly virulent virus and kill... I think he said 90%, something like 80%, 90% of the people in the world. That's what he thought. You know, the Bible says, all those who hate me love death. And for a long time I didn't understand that. Now I understand it a lot better. But anyway, our CO2 level at only 421 parts per million, as the gentleman said in the audio, the one who owns the nursery, that's dangerously low. 421 parts per million. He said, I, I can't, the plants need a lot more than that. So, our CO2 level at only 422 parts million parts per million is dangerously low. So, Allison, the way we 
conquer that. We eat a big steak. We take a long road trip in our <laughs> V8 and do whatever else we can to increase the CO2. Get as big a uh, truck as you can. Uh, not, a, not an electric one, by the way. Uh, to save the planet. Mm-hmm. Uh at the most, interestingly, at the most successful biological times on Earth, like the camp, what the what the scientists call the Cambrian life explosion, the CO two level was over five thousand parts per million, and now we're being told that four hundred parts per million is what we should shoot for. That's insane. Yeah, insane. So, CO two is good for you. That's life. <laughs> life on Earth. You you know, don't be part of the death cult here. Uh, be part of part of the be pro life when it comes to <laughs> when it comes to CO two anyway. Oh my my my. Well, on October twenty eighth, TMZ was the first to report Matthew Perry's drowning death. Uh, the media outlet, outlet, which over the past two decades has become a byword for hard edged celebrity coverage, cited law enforcement sources and ran a redacted audio clip it obtained of a dispatcher communicating with emergency personnel before running photos of the actor's stricken parents arriving at his home. Uh, TMZ relies on paid informants. This is sometimes called checkbook journalism. And they are often abetted by civil servants passing along unauthorized information. And TMZ's network of informants, waiters, clerks, valets, but also members of STAR's personal and professional circles Yet much of the most consequential material arrives from uh, law enforcement officials with whom TMZ cultivates close relationships. Yeah. The site has been renowned and reviled for such lightning scoops. So, some of their casualties include Todd Fisher, who had a unique, he, unique experience uh, with TMZ. Um, TMZ broke the death of his sister Carrie. Then the next day, it was first to report that his mother, Debbie Reynolds, had been transported from his home, where she'd been discussing funeral plans for Carrie, to Cedar sinai Medical Center because of a possible stroke. TMZ had audio of the dispatch call. She soon died there. They have relationships with people willing to be unethical. Within 10 minutes of me finding out she died, it was already out. TMZ doesn't think about collateral damage. No. Two two days after Matthew Perry's death, Eddie Van Halen's son, Wolfgang, recalled on X his own TMZ experience. They paid off people in the hospital when my father passed. I couldn't even grieve for 20 minutes. A law enforcement officer tipped off TMZ to Kobe Bryant's death in a helicopter crash before his wife, Vanessa, learned of it from the L.A. County Sheriff's Department. Oh, man. She was distraught and confused according to a lawsuit that she has filed against the county and some of its agencies for sharing graphic photos of human remains from the crash, which also killed their daughter Gianna and several others. Uh, Licky Lou's rushed to the scene in the wake of TMZ's reporting, hoping to catch a glimpse of the crash site. Uh, sheriff's deputies snapped close-up photos of the victim's remains in violation of department policy and later circulated them among dozens of members of both the sheriff, sheriff's department and fire department, mm-hmm. even though neither was involved <coughs> in the investigation. Wow. Wow. So TMZ is 
crap, basically. Well, the, the, the way they unethical. Get the, yeah, the the way they get their information. They're ghouls is what they are. Yeah. yeah, they're ghouls. Oh man. Well, Bud Light is in the news again. You remember uh, they hired this uh, twit Dylan Mulvaney, guy who claims he's a woman, uh, and uh, you know the, what happened was. I'm sure everybody knows about this now, but uh, Bud Light has you know tanked as far as their uh, their sales are concerned. Um, they used to be the number one beer in America, and now uh, Modelo is the number one beer in America, and they're just they're still going downhill, uh, despite uh, despite the fact that uh, Dana White was paid off by them. Uh, so he's a big supporter of uh, Bud Light now, the queen of beers. And uh, the latest is Kid Rock, who actually made a video of him um, um, blowing up, uh, or I guess I guess he was shooting at uh, cans of Bud Light, cases of Bud Light when it first came out. And now he's he's uh, saying, "Well, I'm a Christian, and I, uh, uh, we have to forgive." And, oh, I hadn't heard that. Oh yeah, I just saw pictures of him shooting at cans. Yeah, well, well, we have to forgive. Well, did well. you know that Anheuser Busch's um, U.S. CMO, which is Chief Marketing Officer, is stepping down at the end of the year. Is he? Because, because, well, say because sales of Bud Light have slumped so badly. Well, yeah, trends Heiser Bush. You know, that's <laughs> that's. Uh, well, anyway, there's uh, new evidence that Bud Light has paid a massive retainer to Dylan Mulvaney. They paid him $185,000 in May. After that's several months after the controversy. So they wanted, Bud Light wanted to get a marketing campaign with him despite their denials of it. One marketing reporter... I was going to say they denied it. Yeah, they did. But Stephen Crowder, who's a marketing reporter, said, if you're paying $185,000 to somebody, you don't do that unless you plan to continue some kind of a campaign. They were testing the waters. This would have become a national campaign if they thought it was going to work. You know? You know, I, I hear the latest uh, insult of kids one to another is, Oh, yeah? Well, your dad buys Bud Light at Target. <laughs> uh, we're Bill and Allison. We're going to be back after this short break. And uh, we have more stuff coming up for you. Uh, particularly, uh, oh, I've lost it now. Oh, here it is. U.S. Senator saying Biden is facilitating the largest child trafficking ring in U.S. history. That'll be coming up on the Bill and Allison Show. Stay tuned. Welcome back. We're Bill and Allison. Thanks for joining us. We are back on the Hill Country Patriot, your information station, as the gentleman just said. I think it was Bob. Here's an interesting article. Probably haven't heard about it. St. Louis man did something unexpected when he found himself in a dangerous situation recently. Uh, a guy named Rommel S. Taylor okay, is the uh, criminal here. We don't know the name of the uh, St. Louis man who's the victim, almost a victim. Anyway, Taylor walked up to this guy in San, uh, where am I saying? Uh, St. Louis. Uh, he was getting out of his car, and the guy walks up to him, this Rommel Taylor, 
with a large axe. As this man was getting out of his car, this guy walks up with a big axe and holds it above his head, trying to, obviously, an attempted carjack. He told the man to give him his car keys. Well, the man did something surprising. He asked the guy with the axe, this Rommel Taylor, if he would pray with him there in the street. (laughs) And when the man started to pray, Taylor walked away. (laughs) Just walked away. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. Prayer saved this man from a a guy with an axe. That's amazing. Isn't it? Isn't it? Yeah. I, I, I was blown away by that by that story blown away well you know that's that's uh that's you know people talk about the power of prayer <laughs> well that's pretty uh pretty convincing proof positive yeah yeah what you got Allison? well here's a brain teaser that went viral on social media this year a man steals 100 hundred dollar bill from a store register he then uses that 100 hundred dollar bill to buy 70 dollars worth of goods at the store the store owner hands him back $30 in change. How much money did the store lose? Um, $70. No. Oh, no. They lost $130. <laughs> Should I just make up numbers? I <laughs> they, they lost $100. He stole $100. Uh-huh. And then he bought $70 worth of goods, and they gave him $30. Mm-hmm. Well, wouldn't they be out $130? I'm not good at these things. Well, they, they, got, their, they got their $100 back. Oh. So they're out 30, that was my first thought, then they're out $30. No, but, but there's also the, good, the goods that the guy bought for $70. Yeah, but you don't value the goods at $70. That's the retail price. They didn't pay seven. The store didn't pay well, seventy dollars. Well, okay, okay. We're, we're not talking wholesale <laughs> retail here. All right. I found an interesting. Uh, we I found we found an interesting uh, article here about gun ownership. The top. I should uh, ask you. You are always quizzing me. I am. Well, I'm going to ask you because you Allison hasn't seen this. What is the number one country that? Okay, the the, the country that has the most registered firearms. Uh, just as a bulk number uh, in the world, what country has the most firearms, would you say? Registered? Uh, registered, yeah. I'm inclined to say the United States, but I guess that's the obvious you answer. You are inclined to be right. Oh, good, okay. Yeah. okay. United States has 393,300,000. I'm sorry, 393. <laughs> How many? <laughs> oh, an interesting morning. Uh, three, uh, almost 400 million registered firearms. Those are registered. You know, you can double, triple, quadruple that number of unregistered. Okay. Um, so that's uh, 400 million, almost. Number two, what would you say would be number two? You'll never guess this one. Hmm. It's radio. Can't have silence. Oh, sorry. Sorry. <laughs> Dead air. Sorry. Dead. Sorry. India. Oh, okay. India has... Uh, well, well, I was I was thinking, like, you know, not Canada, because they're a lefty country, socialist right. country. Oh, Canada doesn't even show up on that. Um, oh, I'm sorry. Me- Canada's 13. Me- Mexico Two million doesn't allow guns. No. Oh, well, Mexico actually has... 
is number 10 on the list with don't, 3 don't million have, registered firearms. Don't you have to go to Mexico City yeah. to, to the register? The only gun store yeah. in Mexico is in Mexico City. Well, not yeah. just store, but I think to register it, you have to go to Mexico is that right? City. Okay. I believe so. Well, anyway, that's United States is number one in registered firearms. India is number two. Brazil is number three. Russia is number four. And Thailand hmm. is number five. And you see, I thought uh, Sweden would be up. Uh, I'm sorry, Switzerland would be up there. It is 16. In Switzerland, um, pretty much everybody owns a gun. Um, the uh, If you are in the army, for example, you take your gun home and, and you can use it. Uh, but that's... Texas has more guns than any other state. Florida trails behind in second place. Rhode Island has the lowest number of guns. They have the lowest number of people. Well, that's true, too. (laughs) While Wyoming doesn't have the most guns of any state, it has the most guns per person. 245 guns per resident. (laughs) (laughs) What? Who owns 245 guns? Really? Oh, that's crazy. And uh, a study was done. There's no correlation between gun ownership and firearm-related death. The five states with the highest firearm-related deaths have relatively low firearm ownership rates. Mm -hmm. And on the same subject, an orthodontist in North Carolina, (laughs) if you buy Invisalign from him, You have the option of receiving a membership at the Youngsville Gun Club and Range, or he will give you a new Glock 19. (laughs) All right. (laughs) His promotion is titled Grins and Glocks. (laughs) And uh, if you choose to have the the Glock, you have to uh, attend uh, classes to know how to use it and have background checks. But there you go. Dr. What is his name? Dr. Jason Gladwell of Wake Forest, North Carolina. Is giving away a gun if you buy an Invisalign from him. There you go, doctor. There you go. Well, we're, we're coming up on the news, aren't we, Allison? Yes, we are. All right. We are Bill and Allison. We've got so much more to talk about. We're gonna, we've got a uh, congressional hearing that you're going to be hearing portions of about uh, child trafficking and how the Biden administration is promoting it. Uh, oh, we've got uh, a tribute to a great singer who was born this week. And uh, she is hilarious. Not only a great singer, but she had a comedy act you won't believe. All of that's coming up on the Bill and Allison Show. Stay tuned right after the news break. Now, the first couple of Texas radio. Here's Bill and Allison Mencaro. Senator Josh Hawley. He accused the Biden administration of facilitating the largest child trafficking ring in American history. Uh, He exposed how masses of unaccompanied alien children are being sold into sex slavery after they're released uh, in this country. Um, We have an audio of him uh, grilling the director of the Office of Refugee Resettlement uh, about this. And uh, it's been... uh, it is something. So uh, here is Senator Hawley in a Senate hearing, again, talking to the director of the Office of Refu- Refugee Resettlement. Senator Hawley. Thank you, Mr. Chairman. Ms. Marcos, can I just start with you? You testified a moment ago to Senator Butler that every child gets a Know Your Rights presentation. Is that correct? That is correct. Is that before or after you release them to labor traffickers? 
Senator, every child that comes into our care gets a Know Your Rights presentation as well as... Have you read these New York Times reports, these stories, the, the series of stories the New York Times has done on the children who are in your care? Have you read them? Yes, I have. Have you read that children are scrubbing dishes, they are operating heavy machinery, they are delivering, delivering meals, they are harvesting coffee, they are working construction, they are working as housekeepers, they are working overnight shifts at plants where they are not paid, they are not going to school, they are not cared for, they are not giving meals, almost all of it illegally. Are you aware of that? That's a yes or no. Yes. Do the Know Your Rights presentation help them in those situations? Senator ORR. Uh, That's a yes or no, I think. I, Do you really think that you're helping these children by releasing them to labor traffickers and, yes, sex traffickers, 85,000 children whom you have no contact with? And your answer is we gave them a presentation before we turned them over to these people who are exploiting them on a scale not seen in this country for a hundred years, a century, a century. It's a disgrace in the United States of America. Let me ask you this. You did a, an audit, I noticed, where you gave yourself a clean bill of health. So just, just tell me this. Do you require sponsors to document their relationship with the child? Senator, we have a thorough vetting process. Do you require sponsors to document their relationship with the child? Yes, we go through. No, you do not. You, you do not. Have you read the Senate's permanent subcommittee on investigations reports on your office? There was one in 2016. There was one in 2018. There was one in 2020. There was one in 2022. Spanning administrations, what they found is you do not require sponsors to document their relationship with the child. You release them anyway. What about background checks? Do you require background checks on all adults in the household? In cases where the child is being released to their parents, we do not require um, background checks. But Senator, I would do, do you really require like background that. checks on all adults in the household in any case? Yes, in some cases we do. How, what percentage of cases do you do background checks on the adults in the household? I, I don't have that number. Yeah. Do you do home visits in all cases? You can actually see where these children are, are being released, who you, whose care you're putting them in? We do not do home visits in all cases. Senator, I'd really like the opportunity to talk about what we are doing. You, I know what you're doing, and it's, it's incredibly and totally inadequate. And we can read about it in the New York Times. Let me, since you say you've read it, let's talk a little bit about that New York Times report, if we could. Here's a quote from the April 17th installment. Again and again, veteran government staffers and outside contractors told HHS, including reports that reached the secretary, that children appeared to be at risk. Did you warn the secretary that children were at risk? Senator, I'm in regular contact with the secretary. Did you warn him that children were at risk? Safety and well-being of children is our top priority. Did you warn him that children were at risk? I'm not going to get into the conversations I've had. You're here and you're under oath and this is an oversight hearing. And we need to know what you're doing because you're manifestly not doing your job. Did you warn him that children were at risk? Do you believe that children are at risk? Let's start with that. Yes. Okay. Did you warn the secretary? Senator, I'm not going to get into the specifics of my conversation, but I would like the opportunity Why to Why wouldn't talk you about, warn the secretary that children were at risk? I would risk. like the opportunity to talk about what we Let's look at doing. what the secretary said to you. At least five HHS staff members said they were pushed out after raising concerns about child safety.
Mr. Becerra, that's the secretary, told the ORR director, that's you, right, that if she could not increase the number of discharges, he would find someone who could. And then he went on to say that if Henry Ford had run his plants like this, he would never have become famous and rich. This is not the way you do an assembly line. Get the kids out, run them through, get them out to those sponsors, those traffickers. Why didn't you resign when he said this? Do you think that this is morally acceptable? Senator, I joined ORR in September of 2022. I believe that was reported prior to my arrival, but I cannot but speak This is from to, an article this year. I can't speak to what the secretary... Do you think that this is acceptable to run, to, to run ORR like an assembly line and to release these children I to traffickers? I we do not run ORR like an assembly line. The safety and well-being of children is our top I concern. I have certain rules. Plainly strategy. not. Plainly, it is not your top concern because you have managed to lose 85,000 of them. And the Times knows where they are, or two-thirds of them. And they're with labor traffickers. It's unbelievable. Let me just ask you this. How many kids right now, the 430,000 approximately, unaccompanied children have crossed the border under this administration? It's an astounding number. How many are you in regular contact with right now? Senator, we have a number of different providers across the country. Who but what's the number? What's the number? How many of you are you in? You said child welfare is your top concern. What's the number? I don't have the specific number. How can you not know? Because Why would you come to this hearing and not know? Um, respectfully, if you would like us to provide comprehensive case management to children after they're released from our care, so we can report Respectfully, I would like you to do your job and not release children to human traffickers. Respectfully, that's what I would like. I'd like you not facilitate the largest child trafficking ring in American history. Thank you, Mr. Chairman. I have certain rules I live by. My first rule, I don't believe anything the government tells me. Yeah, George Carlin, I don't believe anything. What a, oh, you want to strangle her. What a, yeah, exactly. what a bureaucrat. Exactly. Exactly. Senator, I would like the opportunity to tell you what we are doing. Mm -hmm. You're doing crap is what you're doing. I mean, that is just an outrage, mm -hmm. absolute outrage. Mm -hmm. Our government is facilitating the largest sex and labor trafficking of children he said 100 years, I think, in the history of our country, probably the largest in the world, or one of them, anyway. Our government and our taxpayer money is paying to traffic children. Yeah, how about that? Yeah, you're paying that? taxes so kids can be trafficked. Mm -hmm. I mean, you, you know, we started this program with a quote from Isaiah about evil, okay? Woe unto them who call evil good and good evil. That's how we started the program. And if you didn't catch it, what we said at the beginning was, first we overlook evil, then we permit evil, then we legalize evil, then we promote evil, then we celebrate evil, then we persecute those who still call it evil. And that's a perfect example of what we just heard is a perfect example mm -hmm. of that. And sh that woman has no soul. Yeah. Oh, for sure. Okay, what you got, Allison? Mm -hmm. Oh, we got we got a break? <laughs> oh, 
Oh! I'm playing a song. Gordon Lightfoot, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. The, uh... This is the wreck of the Edmund Fitzgerald. That's right. That's right. The legend lives on from the Chippewa on down of the big lake they call Gitchagumi. The lake, it is said, never gives up her dead when the skies of November turn gloomy. With a load of iron ore, 26,000 tons more than the Edmund Fitzgerald weighed empty. That good ship and true was a bone to be chewed when the gales of November came early. Well, that, as we just talked about, is the wreck of the Edmund Fitzgerald. Sung by Gordon Lightfoot. Uh, And that's a true story. Um, And the the song refers to Lake Gitchigumi, but that's the name uh, that comes from Longfellow's The Song of Hiawatha, because that's the name the Chippewa Indians uh, gave to um, Lake Superior. It means large lake. Um, well, this past week, in uh, 1975, the Edmund Fitzgerald departed from um, Superior, Wisconsin, on Lake Superior, with 26,000 tons of taconite headed for Detroit, Michigan. Later that afternoon, the Fitz met uh, the Arthur M. Anderson as it left Two Harbors, Minnesota. Due, due to the storm headed north, both captains decided to travel north of the usual shipping lanes, a common practice in poor weather. By the morning of November 10th, previously issued gale warnings were upgraded to storm warnings. Over the next few hours, the Fitzgerald reported a down fence rail, two lost or damaged vent covers. It was listing and had a down radar system. Uh, at 7.10, the first mate of the other ship that they that had just passed close by, radioed the Fitzgerald to provide na- navigational points and ask how the ship was doing. <coughs> the captain responded, we're holding our own. That was the final communication with the Fitz, and it disappeared from sight and radar due to a snow squall at 7.15. Um, no one could see it on radar. The Coast Guard listed the Edmund Fitzgerald and its crew of 29 men missing shortly thereafter. When preliminary searches were done, all that was found was debris. On the days that followed, the U.S. and Canadian Coast Guards continued to search, and on November 14th, an anti-sub plane detected an object 530 feet below Lake Superior's surface. The object was confirmed to be the Edmund Fitzgerald. No bodies were ever recovered. So why is the wreck of the Edmund Fitzgerald so famous? Uh, Because the SS Edmund Fitzgerald, it was an American Great Lakes freighter um, that sank with the loss of its entire 29 men. When launched on June 1958, she was the largest ship on North America's Great Lakes, and she remains the largest to have sunk there. Wow. And that was uh, this week in Mm -hmm. 1975. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's. Uh, I uh, had a girlfriend who uh, broke up with me, and she broke up with me uh, uh, 
with no reason that she gave at all. Just wouldn't take my calls anymore, wouldn't see me. And I, of course, did nothing wrong. But I have no idea, actually, why. I don't remember much about it, because it's a long time ago. But she had that album. She had the Gordon Lightfoot album of, of the wreck of, Ed, of the Edmund Fitzgerald. And she left it at my house, along with some other stuff. So, just don't go there. Just don't go there. (laughs) So, anyway, she, uh, it was pots and pans, as I recall, things like that. So, I, being the gentleman that I am, uh, even though she wouldn't speak to me or anything, I gathered up all her belongings, or pots and pans and dishes or whatever she had. And so she uh, cooked for you. Brought them. Yes, she did. Uh, brought them over to her house, her apartment, and her roommate, uh, she, she wouldn't come to the door, but her roommate did, so I gave her roommate all that stuff. I gave her everything except <laughs> the Gordon Fitzgerald album, or Gordon Lightfoot album. Gordon Lightfoot. Right? Gordon Lightfoot. I, I gave her everything but that. I felt I deserved that, the way she treated me. I'm telling you. <sighs> We've got... Did, did, did you know what? the true fi- soldier... Fights not because he hates what's in front of him, but because he loves what's behind him. Ooh. That's from Who said that? G.K. Chesterton. Really? Chesterton said that? My, my, my. Yeah, that's... Uh, well, a lot of people think that Chesterton and other people uh, were conspiracy theorists. Well, Noah, you know, Allison, Noah was a conspiracy theorist. Really? Did you know? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, then it, and then it rained. that's what they thought of him it's the birthday of joe stafford who is a uh, a very wonderful singer and uh, we've got some material on her we've got some cuts from uh, her singing and i think you'll be very surprised at that uh, because she uh (laughs) she had two different personalities let's let's put it that way you'll find out what they are when we uh, when we do that bit So, anyway, that's what we've got coming up in the next segment. We have a quick, quick announcements from some of our sponsors. Oh, this is our friend George Bennett? Yeah. It's a song that he wrote Mm -hmm. and performs. Mm -hmm. I think it's a wonderful song. Texas Texas on my mind. Texas on my mind. And it's true true lyrics. Mm -hmm. So, listen for a little bit, and then we'll be back after these important messages. Texas on my mind Welcome back, we're Bill and Allison You know that that music playing behind us is uh, Paul McCartney and that does remind us that the Beatles just recently uh, released their final new, quote-unquote, quote, quote unquote, new song. It's called Now and Then. It was written by John Lennon in 1977 and left on an unreleased demo tape until a production team used AI to isolate Lennon's voice and let Paul McCartney and Ringo Starr turn it into a fully realized track. And if you haven't seen it yet, it's on YouTube. It's called Now and Then. It's very, very cool mm-hmm. because... I mean, it just looks like the Beatles are back together again. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're interacting with one it's another. It's a beautiful song. Yeah, it's a beautiful song as well. But the, the video is just astounding. 
the way they have uh, the way I've created it. So it's uh, highly recommended. Go on YouTube and watch that. Okay. Eighty years after Hitler's failure, the Nazis have at last seized London. Hitler's dream has finally come true, said a bystander watching as Piccadilly was overrun with Nazis. You just know that somewhere Hitler is looking on today and smiling. As chants of death to Jews and final solution rang through the London air, longtime Nazi leader Joseph Schmidt was overwhelmed with joy. After so many decades of being an outcast here in Britain, to now watch Nazis march through the heart of London yelling, gas the Jews, well, it brings a tear to your eye, said Mr. Schmidt. I've had to hide my swastika flag for years, but no more. We're going out for a triumphant walk right by Buckingham Palace. The resistant to Hitler's blitz, London ultimately fell without a single shot being fired. It's a Nazi miracle, said March organizer. Well, technically shots were fired, but they were at some elementary school schools in Israel a thousand miles from here. Seeing those Jewish people murdered, children set on fire, knowing hundreds of women and children are still hostages, well, that helped us see that the real Nazi was inside us all along. It just needed a little Jew murder to bring it out. Yeah. At publishing time, the London mayor was warning the Jewish community to refrain from engaging in hateful Nazophobia. Nazophobia. The, 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 uh, the, the mayor of London, by the way, is a Sunni Muslim. Yeah. And, and and by the way, that story is from Babylon B. However, that's true mostly. What what, what part is not true? Yeah, that's a good point. Mm-hmm. What part is not true? Mm-hmm. Yeah. A uh, friend of mine told me the other day that uh, about Kurt Waldheim's disease. If you remember, Kurt Waldheim was Secretary General of the UN, and it came out that he uh, had been a Nazi intelligence officer in World War II. And it committed atrocities, and he, he was the head of the UN. Uh, so he he mentioned Kurt Waldheim's disease. That's forgetting that you're a Nazi. <laughs> what? There's a uh, study coming out um, in New York. The uh, Democrat-led New York State Legislature uh, passed a bill called the Climate Leadership and Community Protection Act, which calls for a reduction of greenhouse gases by 85% by 2050. And the only way to do this, they say, is to electrify all water heaters and furnaces in 85% of New York homes and businesses. So what that means is if you live in New York State and your water heater or furnace dies and you currently use oil or uh, propane or natural gas or any any type of fossil fuel, you will be required to replace it with either an electric water heater, electric furnace, or electric heat pump. Mm. Now, Allison, where do these brainiacs think electricity comes from? <laughs> <laughs> uh, I am going from memory, but I believe it's 80%, could be higher, of electricity uh, in the United States it comes from fossil fuels. Mm-hmm. From the burning of fossil fuels. Well, and what we have found is where, where we live, um, there's there's no natural gas. Right. Um, so our furnace is electric, but where we yeah. used to live, um, our, our, our furnace was natural gas. Yes. And, and boy, yeah. is it cheaper. 
Yeah, it sure is. Then, then all electric. Oh, electric is very expensive. I mean, and this is going to be an expensive changeover. And it's not only New York doing stuff like this. It's Oregon. It's California. It's uh, well, you have to ret- retrofit uh, your appliances if you're oh yeah you're switching. Yeah. I mean, it's extremely expensive. Mm-hmm. Uh, the cost of installing a heat pump is thousands, can be tens of thousands. Well, not tens of thousands, but thousands of dollars. Um, they're gonna. What's going to happen? The study that's been done on this. It's going to push a lot of homeowners and landlords to choose cheaper electric furnaces that are less efficient, and they use a lot more electricity. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Uh, so it'll result in higher monthly electric grids and, and the strain on the electric grid, of course. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, right now, about 13% of New Yorkers use electricity to heat their homes. Now, if only 13%, and your goal is to bump that number up to 87% in the next 25 years, what kind of a stress is that going to put on the electric grid? Mm, exactly, exactly. Um, and it's, if there's one thing Democrats refuse to do, it's to build power plants to handle more energy usage. They don't want to do that, you know. But electricity is the most expensive way to to heat a home. I'm looking at a picture. I wish we should I hold up the microphone so people can see it. An electric charging station powered by a diesel motor. It's a picture. It's well, it has to be powered by something, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah. Uh, here's here's another picture. Of an electric car charging station, a 350 kilowatt generator uses 12 gallons of diesel fuel per hour, takes three hours to fully charge a car to get 200 miles. That's 36 gallons for 200 miles. It comes out <laughs> to 5.6 miles per gallon. You can't fix stupid, can you? <laughs> you stupid. I'm looking at another picture of a Caterpillar 994H. And uh, the guy standing in front of it looks like a midget. He's standing in front of the tires, and the tires have to be, if he's, say, six feet tall, the tires have to be 20 feet at least. Anyway, there's this picture of a Cat 994H. It burns 1,800 gallons of fuel in a 12-hour shift. It's required to move 500,000 pounds of earth in order to get the minerals needed for one single Tesla car battery. No kidding. You mean, you mean one? so that powers one car? One par- car battery. Now, there's actually, Teslas have well, it's hundreds of little tiny mm-hmm. pencil-sized batteries, right. so they're meeting one unit. Okay, okay. okay. To, but, po- to power one car. Let me go over that again. This CAT 994H burns 1,800 gallons of fuel in a 12-hour shift. It's required to move half a million pounds of earth in order to get the minerals needed for one battery for one Tesla. In whose world does that make sense? Hmm? Whose world? You know, Allison, half the country thinks if you give up your stove, your car, and you eat bugs... Because people who take private jets to Davos told you to, it'll make the weather better. <laughs> Can't fix stupid. We'll be right back after a quick break. And Bill's got a, some music for you. I do. Born on this week 
is one of my favorite singers, and I hope she is or will be one of yours after you hear her. And she's got such a great sense of humor. She's, we're going to play two, two parts of two songs of hers that you'll really enjoy. So stay with us. Quick break. Bill and Allison will be back after this. Welcome back. We're Bill and Allison. First couple of TexasRadio.com. This is where you can hear our previous shows and download them to your favorite digital device and take them with mm-hmm. you on walks or bicycling or mm-hmm. or canoeing or not swimming. Yeah, just sitting around. <laughs> or just sitting around. Well, born this week was singer Joe Stafford. She was an American traditional pop music singer. Her career spanned five decades from the late 1930s to the early 80s. And uh, as you will hear, she had an incredibly pure voice. Uh, she had classical training to become an opera singer before following a career in popular music. By 1955, she had achieved more worldwide record sales than any other female artist. Her 1952 song, You Belong to Me, which we're going to play in a moment, topped the charts in the U.S. and the U.K., becoming the second single to top the U.K. singles chart and the first by a female artist to do so. Rosemary Clooney said of her, The voice says it all. Beautiful, pure, straightforward, no artifice, matchless intonation, instantly recognizable. Those things describe the woman, too. The singer Judy Collins has cited Joe Stafford's folk recordings as an influence on her own musical career, and Patsy Cline was also inspired by Joe Stafford's work. Here is one of her most beautiful songs, You Belong to Me. See the pyramids along the night Watch the sunrise on a tropic isle Just remember, darling, all the while You belong to me See Thank you. 
A beautiful song by a beautiful woman, singer Joe Stafford, who was born this week. Not, she wasn't actually born this week. (laughs) (laughs) Sometime back she was born, yes. Impressive for a one-week-old baby to (laughs) sing like that, I'll tell you that. Okay. Her husband, Paul Weston, who was a great musician in his own right, great pianist, entertained party guests by performing skits in which they impersonated a poor lounge act. Uh, Joe Stafford sang off-key in a high-pitched voice. Weston played songs on the piano in unconventional rhythms. He said they would do that in Hollywood when the party was kind of getting dragging along. And people liked it, and they said, you should make some records. So they did. They, they, first of all, they made up names for themselves. This is what I said. She, she and her husband had a great sense of humor. Uh, they called themselves Jonathan and Darlene Edwards. And they released five albums and one single. Uh, and actually, their 1960 album, Jonathan and Darlene Edwards in Paris, won Grammy, a Grammy Award for the Best Comedy Album. And uh, it's, it's hard to believe that a, that a great pianist and a great singer like Joe Stafford and like Paul Weston were, uh, could, could do something like this. But I guess if you're very talented, uh, you can play weirdly and sing off-key. So here is... Joe Stafford and Paul Weston uh, doing the their version of the Bee Gees song Stayin' Alive. Hard to believe that that's the same singer that you just heard playing uh, "You Belong" uh, singing "You Belong to Me," isn't it? By the way, the Bee Gees hated that. <laughs> they just hated I'll bet that. They did. I'll bet they did. <laughs> <laughs> but you've got—I guess you've got to get real talent to to, to yeah. sing off key like that. But uh, anyway, that's Joe Stafford, and uh, fondly remembered, one of the great great singers of all time, in my humble opinion. Of course, that's the. <laughs> Only one I'm qualified to give. Well, here's a dream job alert. Two researchers spent 10 months observing the interactions among 53 felines at a cat cafe. What? <laughs> well, several questions. What's why? a cat cafe and why would you do why? that? Yeah, I, I didn't realize that 53 felines would hang out at a cafe all at once. I mean, cats I know don't, don't do that sort of thing. Mm. But anyway... Um, they learned that uh, cats, who we think of as detached, they're actually quite expressive. Um, this is amongst each other. You just need to know where to look. Cats blink, lick, and move their ears, noses, mouths, and whiskers in at least 276 distinct combinations. That, that's what they learned after after 10 months, <laughs> 10 months of study. <laughs> they, they found that nearly half... Taxpayer-paid fund, uh, funding this? I would yeah, taxpayer <laughs> I be, dollars. I, I wouldn't be surprised. Yeah. Um, they found that uh, 46% of their expressions are deemed to be friendly. 37% are considered aggressive, 
and 17% are unclear. Uh, keep in mind, and this is something real basic that anybody who's ever been around a cat knows, uh, that backward flattened ears suggest discontent. Uh, they're angry. Uh, but upright, forward-leaning whiskers and ears indicate happiness. Well, and we have a pet announcement, don't we? We do. You want to make that? A- no, I'll let you. Well, today, we plan to get a new member of our family. Mm-hmm. I'm going to the hospital to have a baby. <laughs> now, that's news to me, but I'm glad you <laughs> broke the news on <laughs> national radio. Mm. Uh, no, our, our addition to our family is uh, Anna, who is three years old, and she is a rescue standard poodle. And she comes in Allison's favorite color. I would say mine, too. Apricot. Apricot, yes. She's gorgeous. And we are very anxious. This afternoon, we're going to... We have met her, but this afternoon, we're actually going to welcome her into our little home. So she will be our baby, new baby. Uh, And uh, we're very excited about it, actually. Very excited about it. Came across an interesting article. We came across I keep saying I did, but... Allison is responsible for most of my most of my things. Most of the good stuff that you do. That's true. The best-selling vehicles in America by state. Uh, the best-selling vehicles in America by state, as I said, uh, most of the the leading vehicle most uh, people buy in sixteen states. So that's more than any other uh, number of states is the uh, Silverado, the Chevy Silverado. And coming in close second in 14 states is the Ford F-Series. Okay, That includes Texas, by the way. It's the best-selling vehicle in Texas is the Ford F-Series. 13 states, the most popular vehicle is the Toyota RAV4. RAV, is that how you pronounce it? Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, and... Uh, as you imagine, most of them are in left-wing states. Because <laughs> the first two are, are uh, pick-em-up trucks. American. American pick-em-up American. trucks. American cars. American. Americans. But this is a foreign car. Actually, the Toyota, Toyota Rav is probably made in Cleveland or someplace. Most, most of those cars are now made in America. Made in America. But um, as you would expect, the, the popular uh, states where the Toyota Rav is popular uh, is in uh, the you know mostly left-wing states: Illinois, Oregon, Washington, New York, Pennsylvania, D.C., uh, Maryland. Uh, unfortunately, Virginia is, but Virginia has become unfortunately pretty left-wing in recent years. North Carolina too surprised me as the Rav hmm. is the most popular one. Uh, in three states, the Dodge Ram is the most popular vehicle. It's another American vehicle. Uh, that is another American vehicle. In five states, it says other. I don't know what that means. The only state where a sedan <laughs> is the best-selling vehicle. What would you guess, Allison? That's a little quiz for you. Too many Christmas. Sedan. Well, who? what's the demographic for sedans? Little old ladies. Mm-hmm. Florida. Florida. You're right. No kidding. You're right. Oh, wow. The only state where a sedan is the best-selling vehicle is Florida. Our friends in Florida drive trucks. <laughs> uh, that's true. They do. They do. Uh, 
Debbie? What does Debbie drive? Oh, that's right. She drives a car. There you are. Okay. There you are. And this is an easy question. Which state, the only state, where the best-selling vehicle is an electric vehicle? California. Got it. <laughs> God, I told you it was easy. But uh, I thought that was very interesting. That uh, the, the most popular vehicle in America, by state anyway, is the Chevy Silverado. And close seconds, Ford F-Series. Uh, <laughs> Arkansas, you'll never guess this one, is the GMC Sierra. Hmm. That's the only state where the Sierra is the most popular vehicle. Hmm. Um, and what did I say? Oh, sedan in Florida. The uh, sedan specifically is the Toyota Corolla. Hmm. Um, the uh, Also, I think... Uh, I don't know if Hawaii. I think Hawaii also is um, the Tesla, most popular one. Not sure about that. Uh, yeah, that wouldn't surprise me. New Jersey, it's a Honda CRV, uh, as I said. Uh, but most most of the uh, Midwest uh, states in the center of the country, the Ford F Series. Uh, New Mexico is a Silverado. But uh, anyway, I thought that was fascinating mm-hmm. to see. Uh, See what the most popular vehicles are by state. And it tells you a lot about people's politics, as I said, because the the, the left-wing liberal states are, are wimpy cars, you know, wimpy vehicles and foreign vehicles. Well, except Florida's. Florida's not leftist. No. Well, that's true. But they, are, they do have wimpy cars. They pick wimpy cars out there. Yeah. You're holding up a piece of paper. What is that? Is that something... For Some, the air something for next week. For next week. Okay. Yeah, we do have a lot so, of stuff so for next have, week. You have to wait. <laughs> we do have a lot of stuff for next week, that's for sure. Show with your heart today and tomorrow at the Kerr County Youth Event Center. Pigs, lambs, goats, and sheep showmanship. All proceeds benefit the Children's Heart Foundation. And you can go ice skating in uh, downtown Fredericksburg today. So uh, don't forget that. We're Bill and Allison. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not into your own understanding. and all your ways, acknowledge him, and he will direct your paths.